Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fraser House. I'm your host, Brandon Bailey, here with Mike Rathke. What's up, man? What's up, man? Dude, we're like doing a lot of podcasts these days. We're keeping busy. I know. I'm yeah. really excited about today. I am too. I'm yeah. looking forward to this one. This one, we've it's like kind of like was right on the top of our list. We had like what, yeah. 80 something worship artists and yeah. pastors and different folks, and we're like, this guy's going to the top. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, this the person we have on today is American Christian musician, uh, a pastor, uh, songwriter. Producer, I mean, he and he covers a wide pitch range. Yeah, it's not just you know like I, you and I love the singer songwriter folk, you know, mm-hmm. kind of pop rock. Uh, he gets into like dance music. He does a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. So we have Josh White. Yeah. Let's just bring him on. Let's do it. Josh, what's going on, man? Not too much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Welcome to the Praiser House, man. This was uh, long awaited. Just, just sitting in my wife's Prius. <laughs> there's construction happening in my house. So sorry for the Prius. Oh no, you don't have to apologize, man. You're, it's welcome. I, but we hear, but what your car is not a Prius, right? No, it's a '67 Suburban. It's just her car's a little warmer than mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, is the is the Bourbon? Is it a project car? Uh, I mean, it's they're always a project car when they're that old. So uh, yeah, but it, I mean, it runs great. It's like a, it's a daily driver, so yeah. it's got a beautiful, perfectly restored 327 V8 in it, which nice. is like the old Corvette engine. Yeah, yeah. I, so I would just fast, sleep in it's it. Fast, yeah. yeah. My 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 buddy's got the brand new Tesla, and his goes zero to sixty, but that's not right because it doesn't make noise. So right. I don't like that. Mine yeah. goes zero to sixty fast too, but. You know it. You know it's coming when you get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you, you feel like the engine might rip out of the <laughs> yeah. car. <laughs> I love that. I, I had a 70 Chevy pickup, man, when I was like 20, a long bed, and it had a 327 in it and a power glide. And, man, there's just something about when you get in, you start that thing up, you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is total like masculinity on steroids. <laughs> I mean, you can't, it, it you really can't beat is. it. Yeah. Well, we're so excited. It is the antithesis of the Prius. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, we're super excited to have you on, man. Again, welcome to the Praiser House. We, we got a lot of our audience. So for Mike and I, we know your background. We you know, know your music well. We listen to it. It's in our playlist and all these things. But for a lot of folks out there that don't know, tell them about where Josh White started. Where, where is Josh White from originally? Yeah, well, um, I mean, as far as worship music goes, I, I didn't start uh, engaging in that world until my late 20s. Because I, I didn't come to faith until I was 27. So, and that was in Seattle, uh, nice. Washington. So I was a secular artist before that. Um, uh, I was on a really cool like indie label, like Portland's Sub Pop called mm-hmm. Tim Kerr in the mid 90s. And then I ended up on Mercury Records. Uh, but I came to faith in 99 and I was a part of a little church in Seattle, uh, where, uh, a guy named Brandon Ebel started coming and, and, uh, all the band members of this early, like alternative Christian band called poor old Lou, uh, were all mm-hmm. there, which is Aaron yeah. Sprinkle and kind of the get the, the producer behind most of tooth and nails, um, records, but they, uh, Brandon saw me lead worship, uh, and I was totally green i'd only been doing it for a couple months but i didn't know that you aren't supposed to do this but i i hated worship music so much at the church i was at because they were playing stuff from the like 80s um (laughs) 
that when they asked me to do it, I was such a new believer. The first Sunday, I think I introduced the eight new songs and like six or six of them were originals. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you know, that's not a good way to engage the congregation. It's a good way to engage their rage. But, uh, <laughs> um, but over time, I kind of got my bearings and began writing the majority of the music for the church and, um, and a bunch of the guys from Tooth and Nail, which is based in Seattle, came and that's when they... I got offered a deal with, with them to do a worship album. Um, and that's how kind of telecast started. Yeah. So, yeah, I know yeah, Mike's a yeah. big fan of telecast. Yeah. And it's interesting that you, you, you mentioned introducing all those new songs, your first time leading worship, because, okay. uh, that's, that's kind of what you guys do at Dora Hope, but like the church that you, you pastor at in Portland, you don't, there's not a ton of like your top 40 Christian songs that you'd hear in a, in an average church. It's, is that right? It's. Yeah. I, mean, I think, you know, that's the, that's the nature of, of having a church in a post-Christian city where we have a very evangelistic like yeah. approach to, I mean, I think all churches should, uh, but, uh, we, we just saw so many young people come to faith and there were so many artists. I mean, I think door of hope of, of any church in Portland, we have the, probably the largest concentration of actual like urban attendees. Wow. There's a lot of churches in Portland that are, I mean, there's a few church. I shouldn't say there's a lot. There's a few that are doing well, but most, but the, the struggle that they have is that they're primarily made up of commuters. Yeah. And so we've always been real. I've always been very vocal about hey, if you don't live here, don't come. Yeah. Um, just, and just because the suburbs around Portland, uh, has a strong, you know, evangelical communities, but yeah. the city proper of Portland is, you know, probably less than 1%, you know, so wow. it's a, so when you have a bunch of new conversions, you get a bunch of musicians, they never even heard of Hillsong or yeah. any of those things. Like, like the music ended up being very much a reflection of the city. Yeah. Yeah. Which is <laughs> so, awesome. Cool. It's, it's really unique. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's pretty, really cool because there's so many, there's such a wide variety of, of musical styles that, or indoor hope. I mean, with with uh, with Evan Way and Wesley Eater and Liz Vice, all these people have these totally unique sounds as their expression of worship, which to me is beautiful mm -hmm. because it's that's that's what the body of Christ should be. It's like expressing worship from who God wired you to be. You know, uh, I think yeah. it's awesome. I will I, I will I will say though that my Pilgrim record, which is the one electronic album, and I made that with this guy Josiah Sherman, it goes by Buddy Ross, and he um, right before he made that record with me he had just finished doing a massive writing session in hawaii with frank ocean the huge no, oh, wow. artist yeah. but he hadn't heard yet if frank ocean was going to use any of his songs and he left him in the dark for like a year wow. and then right when right before blonde came out he found out that he was actually going to use all of his songs oh so wow he just Bloat. He had been Frank Ocean's keyboard player since Orange, oh, um, okay. but yeah, now now he's like his primary collab, like wow. that's who he collaborates with, and and uh, right. So I'll never be able to use him again. But that's that's why that Pilgrim <laughs> album so cool. But it did not go over in church for worship. I tried deleting really? that whole record in worship once. Really, people are just like. Yeah, no, that's that's beyond what I'm comfortable with. I like I don't think they just they didn't want to see their lead pastor like singing and dancing with no guitar. It just was awkward. Like just me man singing. <laughs> but I love that record. Yeah, I, I gotta send a picture to you there. Um when because we were we just moved down here from from we were in Canby, Oregon for about four years. And so just before we came down here, um I found the Pilgrim album and my youngest, Charlie, she's uh, about to turn seven, but at the time she was just a baby. And that song, um, I've been surprised on that album. That was like, 
her yeah. jam and she would ball and if that song every night like that had to be her bedtime song oh. and i actually have a picture of her i'm holding her and she's just like wailing waiting like i said this is the song or this is the face that charlie makes if you don't play her jam her bedtime jam on time you know but anyway right. yeah. that's that's awesome yeah yeah i also i just i have a finished storytelling album that i just did with chris benson um from that makes benson amps and that that one's like more of like a folk like a kind of early Neil Young record. So I'm oh, all cool. Over the place. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so, wow. Right on. And write, and and doing some writing for some people. So which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, for our folks, yeah. a lot of people don't know about your church in the Hawthorne District of Southeast Portland. Can you give people the insight of how that came about back in 2009 and kind of what led you know from the Lord? Like what spoke to you to say, "Hi, this is something we need to do." Yeah, I mean, I started off as a worship pastor, um, and then with telecast ended up kind of taking off and I toured for a year straight in 2003 and 2004. And, and it was there that I began to like get like people kind of affirming that I was, that I should be preaching. And it, it kind of came out of, I, I had sort of a Keith green kind of spirit to me when I, just cause I got saved later in life and I knew what I had been saved from. And all of a sudden I'm introduced to the, the world of Christian music and I was playing churches, you know, from, one night I'd be playing John Piper's church, you know, like hyper reformed church doing, doing concert. And then the next day I'd be in Georgia playing at some like over the top Pentecostal church where people were like convulsing under sheets and like everything <laughs> in between. Yeah, and, and I just, for me, I was just a revivalist. And so I was yeah. just trying to get my head around like what is going on um, in the church. And like the thing that became increasingly troubling to me uh, i think maybe it's like a little bit of that prophetic voice of just like hey like i think we're losing ourselves in mm. like pursuing you know endless fads that seem to rise up because this is right at the kind of beginning of the emergent movement mm. and i and i think i look like the poster child for an emergent guy because <laughs> um, i was covered in tattoos but i thought it was so weird and kind of cultish <laughs> i was like i'm like i don't want anything to do i'm like i don't I'm not looking for Jesus to be cool yeah. and I'm, and I'm definitely not interested in a gospel that's driven by questions with no answers. Yeah, <laughs> right. so, like the whole, the whole postmodern approach was just like, yeah, this is, but I like, I'll, I'll keep my postmodernism to my literature. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I, I think that kind of drove this, like, man, I just want to be a part of a community that just keeps Jesus and the gospel that our sophistication should flow out of the simplicity of the gospel. Mm. Um, and uh, like, and it should be cross centric and unabashedly that, yeah. um, and that we can do it in a way in a place. Like, I mean, we started the church in Portland cause that's where my wife and I met. I mean, we met in 96 at the Satyricon nightclub. I told her she was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. She believed me. <laughs> she took me home, which is why we don't do premarital counseling. We don't know what, we don't, we don't know, we don't know what to say. <laughs> we were like, how do you maintain purity? No idea. I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> That's great, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you to someone else on the staff that knows. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we just, we just had a heart and both of us come from a very, like, we're just very bohemian, you know, natural that's very natural to us yeah and so so when we started the church in 2009 that kind of came out of years of praying and being a part of church i mean i'd been on staff at like three different churches mega churches and there were like 
there were just a lot of things that I wanted to do a little differently. Um, there are a lot of things I'm really grateful for, for all the churches that I worked at. Um, yeah. You know, Calvary Chapel gave me a love of scripture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Solid Rock, which now is Bridgetown. My friend John Mark Homer, he's another big pastor here in Portland. Um, I worked for him for two years. Like, this really taught me the pursuit of excellence. And like, mm-hmm. um, but for us, it was it just like this kind of, we couldn't rest until we stepped out and just like, we got to do this thing. And so we stepped out. I, I resigned from solid rock in 2009 in, I think in March, you know, a lot of times when guys go out to plant churches, like they go through an assessment program, yeah. they have a team, they do <laughs> fundraising, all that. I just resigned. And I was like, they gave me a severance that was going to carry me for five months. And I was like, that was it. And I'm like, all right, we got five months to see if this is supposed to happen. And so I just, I found a little church in, uh, in Northeast Portland that was, had been turned into a, to a yoga studio. Um, and I saw that they were painting and I used to be a restoration painter. So I said, Hey, I'll, uh, I'll paint this building. I used to be a restoration painter. I'll paint, I'll paint your church for free. Uh, if you let me have a Thursday night meeting here. Wow. And so so they did that. There's no amplification. And the model was really simple. Because I have a worship background, um, you know, I made a very cost-effective church planter because I, yeah. I just sat on a stool. I led worship, a couple songs. I talked for 40 minutes. We take communion together, and I would play three more songs or four more songs. You know, that that was it. That was, yeah. that was church. That's awesome. And so, and, and then just like a really, and right out of the gate, I mean, Darcy and I thought it was just going to be like a, house church or something like we didn't know yeah. I mean, she was she like made cookies for the first night but then we had 75 people show up no and we're like, okay there's gonna be wow. a little more people than that yeah um, and yeah it was just young adults and, and it all flowed out of i had had a 6 a.m morning bible study while i worked at solid rock hmm. um that kind of grew from eight people to 300 people over wow. the two years i was there and so a lot of those people were coming from um, from the city that okay. weren't even actually attending Solid Rock. So there was a core that kind of that were like, whenever you start a church, I want to be there. But wow. I didn't ask anyone to go with me because I didn't want anyone to follow sure. me in the suburbs. Sure, yeah. Um, and so, but all these kids that were in the city, you know, they were, you know, coming back to the, their faith. They're the ones that had all their non-believing. You know, my prayer was, God, yeah. give me all the really crappy Christians. Yeah. And he was really faithful. <laughs> gave me a lot of really crappy ones. Uh, and yeah, but they but they were the ones that all the D church, you know, the I don't want to do church like my parents, you know. Right. They were the ones that actually kind of came back, but they brought all these non believing people with them. And then I just was very faithful to be preaching the gospel and giving people the opportunity to respond. And uh, That's awesome, dude. Uh, Luis Palau, Luis Palau, who just passed away mm-hmm. um, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, I, in my opinion, the last great like global evangelist, um, uh, he uh, uh, he kind of took me under his wing early on and it mentored me. And I do a lot of work for the Palau organization yeah. right now. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, just that heart to just, hey, let's just, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw people to myself. We believed him. Yeah. And he did. And so, yeah, within two years, it, like, it grew to almost a thousand people. It's incredible. And uh, hired Tim Mackey, who's mm-hmm. the founder of the Bible Project, Yeah, uh, who was with me for almost five years um, as he, him and I taught 50 50. Yeah. Uh, and until the Bible Project got so big, and he, it was the writing was on the wall. Like, yeah. you can't do both anymore. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's huge uh, now. 
it's, <laughs> it's so huge. Yeah. I just was with him last week. He was just like talking about like this, how he said it's turned him into a little more of a hermit because it's just <laughs> the popularity of it. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's like so humble and just so yep. disinterested yeah. in like being known. <laughs> wow. He just is a nerd, like a legitimate Bible nerd. He just wants to study the <laughs> Bible. <laughs> Dude, I, I thank you for yeah. sharing about door. I mean, I, I had no idea it was that kind of approach. Like, we just like walk the plank on the side of the ship and just be like, you just Jesus, like, you know, walking on water, you know, it's just like taking that yeah. opportunity and chance. And like, I love how you kind of said, you know, if to our audience is like, I pray for the, cr- the crappy Christians because <laughs> you, you can shape them and really they become dangerous. They really become dangerous disciples for, for the kingdom. And that's really yeah. cool, man. And like to see it grow, like in six, like Mike gave us a fact. We were talking about your stuff, 600 people, dude, in the first year. It reminds me. Yeah, that's intense. It reminds me too, like what you're saying, um, like like King David when he was running from Saul. You know, he's out in the wilderness. Like, I can't remember the exact phrasing that the Bible uses, but it says that all those who were, I don't remember the word, but like the dejected of society, the outcasts of society, those all yeah. kind of like saw David. And they're like, I'm gonna follow this dude. So he had like 300 men that just followed him around in the wilderness while Saul was trying to kill him. And I'm like. Dude, I, that's, love that's, I love it. I love the the king the king in the cave. That's exactly. like my favorite. That's yeah. one of my favorite stories. Nice. Yeah, it was like all the dejected, all the depressed. Yeah. And like yeah, and like the disenfranchised. Disenfranchised, like, yeah. Sounds like Port sounds like Portland, Oregon. Exactly. <laughs> and, ex- yeah. and, and man, it's like God raised you up for that just that hour because man, look at the impact that Dora Hope's having in oh the in gosh. the city of Portland. I mean, if if there yeah. wasn't a Dora Hope, like I, I sincerely think that Portland would probably be a lot worse off than it is, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I hope we're making a small dent in the craziness of the city. It will, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where everything land, you know, cause Portland will be the, you know, I, I was just in Florida and Oh, what a, when it's the first place I've ever been shamed for wearing a mask. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, yeah. I had an 85 year old woman. She's like, honey, take that mask off. I can't understand what you're saying. I'm like, I'm like, I love you. I love this you. The greatest day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like in Portland, it's like, you'll get yelled at from across the street with no one by you. Like, put your mask on. <laughs> I know. It's just like, it's a, it's like a, like a, uh, progressive like dictatorship here. It is. It is, man. <laughs> we will be the last city to. I promise you, we will be the last city to like open up. It's yeah. and it's it's pretty sad. It's taken such an incredible toll on the oh, on sure. like all the things that make Portland awesome. Yeah, it's just like like so many restaurants closing down. Like, I know. and it, and it's really confusing for churches because like now you know a year ago if only three hundred showed up on Sunday I'd be like freaking out. Now I'm like. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. We have 300 people in here now. Right. Um, so yeah. just getting people to come back to church, it's just like everything's been so politicized here. It's just outrageous. I, I was, um, so it can be pretty exhausting. <laughs> I was sure. actually going to ask like that. How how is how is um this whole pandemic affected uh, I mean I know I know everything's really locked down and I, I have a few friends that are still in Portland and they've had some serious complaints on social media about the way things are going but like has it has it been a difficult? I mean, I, obviously, it's been a struggle to just to kind of find the way through with all those waters. You know, I mean, yeah. Well, we were one of the first churches to like. I'm. I've always pushed back against like staying closed down, and so we. The moment we were able to open up even a little, we start. I'm like, I don't care if it's. We can only have 25 people. We'll do yeah. five services then. You know, like whatever we need to do. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and because I'm not worried. 
the people that are fearful of it or uncomfortable with like you know the potential of getting it like they're not going to come so it doesn't really matter right but what, what really matters is like there's going to be a group that that they like want to go to church and if we don't provide it for them they're going to go somewhere else exactly and the biggest thing i'm concerned about is that i saw this when i was on tour i toured for a year straight like 20 like 20 days a month so i was only home about 10 days a month and it was really hard at first like oh my gosh i miss my wife i miss my my two-year-old son but the longer i stayed on the road what scared me was that it what didn't become harder to be away it became easier yeah. i think that the same thing's happening with church right now i oh, think man. i think that i think that there's a spiritual reality to this where like people are like I mean, I just talked to this sweet Christian girl that's, that's an amazing singer. Um, I'm going to help do some recordings with. And she's like, I've never in my life gone without church. And I went last year. It was the first year I went all year without going to church. And she's like, I got uncomfortable with how comfortable I got with that. Right. And, uh, yeah. um, I'm like, well, at least you have the enough <laughs> ability to see that that's problematic. Right. So I've been really just kind of pushing in every week. We're seeing more and more people come back, yeah. but we have to realize that there are more threats yep. to what human existence besides COVID. And like, sure. uh, you know, so it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's take ice, you know, it's not good that man be alone is, yep. it's just a reason why it's the first thing that said yeah. about humanity. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And are so, you guys, yeah, so it's, it's concerning. And are you guys back to almost a hundred percent now back to the church, like the capacity? Not even close, no, huh? no. Yeah. We're not even allowed to do that yet. We're allowed 50% capacity. Wow. Um, I mean, it, the, the, the state, no longer because there's already been multiple states that had cases where um, where the church like, yeah, that's a violation of separation of church and state. Yeah. We, you know, they have, Governor Brown's office has said to us, like, we can no longer, like, enforce this with the church. We can only make recommendations. But the fact is, is that we're in the heart of the city. Yeah. In yeah. An unbelievably progressive neighborhood with no parking. And so far, the neighbors have been really like, actually, most of them have been like grateful that we're meeting, Really, but they want to see us like abiding by guidelines. And I'm like slowly pushing against that. Like, so I, yeah. you know, the, it's like, I just, for the first time, like we offered coffee like two weeks ago. So people can like, it kind of, I mean, it's, it's the beginning of people being able to take their masks off. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like I want to, and I have staff that's even buried on this, you know, it's like, I'm, I'd be like, I mean, I'm naturally, uh, you know, and I had an employee once who, when he left, he said it was difficult to work for me because I had a blatant disregard for protocol. <laughs> a blatant <laughs> disregard tried, for protocol. <laughs> I, and I was like, man, I'm so sorry. And I, I know that you meant, you feel like that was a mean thing to say to me, but I just want you to know that that will definitely be the next tattoo I get on my lower back. <laughs> My man, <laughs> I love that. But, but so even with COVID, it's like it's hard for me to not. It's the Gen X in me. I just like, oh, like don't tell me, like you know, I just don't tell me how to run my life. Contrary, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Gen, like, Gen X I'm is like, right. I'm like, don't wear a mask. I'm not. Um, I wear your mask. I'm not wearing my mask. Um, so yeah, even my wife and kids are like, Dad, you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm I'm pushing against it. So starting in probably in like the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna make masks optional. We already got rid of social like the distancing in the seat. So like yeah. we're just slowly trying to push because we're the bottom line is we're moving toward I mean, Florida is the perfect the perfect example of like yeah. like look at the look at those crazy people and like 
Portland and be like, look at those crazy people yeah. in Florida not yeah. being cautious. And I'm like, and yeah, and their cases aren't going up because they already hit herd immunity because yeah. they didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So>. Exactly. <laughs> My old line to that man is like a combination of both. Like just like lay it on us. Good for you, man. I, I'm proud to hear. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. Like you're a champion for all those out there in Portland who just, you know, want to hide behind the sheets and yeah. all that good stuff. And there and there are parts of Florida yeah. that are a little more, you know, paranoid about it than others, I guess. But it, it reminds yeah. me, we were joking with a, someone on staff here the other day. Um, we were talking about just the, the, the mind bend that it is. Like we go to church and we sing these songs about like, I'm no longer a slave of fear, you know, but then we're like, yeah, six feet, everybody, six feet. Let me get my, <laughs> you know, like right. we, we say yeah. we're not afraid, but we, we we're living like we're just with our tail between our legs a lot of times. And yeah, it's, and I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm respectful of people yeah. that like, I understand that I think that there's real risk for some people sure. and they need to be cautious, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And, and I know that a lot, I try to be gracious, but Portland is like, it, it, it's so it moved beyond yeah. trying to be protect life it became it became a political statement yeah. and that's what that's for me and same with like all the when we got into like all the race stuff here i mean portland's like the whitest city in the united states and yeah. yet we were the ones making the headlines around the black lives matters movement and when you have when you have the head of the NWACP in portland saying Portland has taken, <laughs> robbed, robbed the black community of an important moment and has turned it into a white spectacle. I mean, that, that's the city I live in. Right. It's yeah. Like, it's like, it's like Bill, Bill Maher said, he's like, you can't be more offended than your black friends. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's actually not appropriate. It's yeah, you're, you're exactly. That's, that's probably the best, the best and you I, could say. And it. my black friends, I, I had several of my black friends call me that don't live in Portland. Like, Hey buddy. What's going on? I, I don't think your people are helping me. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Just stop I'm helping. Sorry. <laughs> stop helping. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm just like, I don't know. I just love Jesus. Right. I'm like, I, like, like, I think that the heart of the problem continues to be the problem of the heart. Let's exactly. Just keep it there. <laughs> I, I I love it, so. and it's it's the simplicity of the gospel. Like, it's got a, it, it's got to flow. It's got to flow out of the reality yeah. of, of the gospel and the cross. Like, yeah. I mean, man. Yeah, yeah. We're, I think too often we're looking through the cross rather than to it. Yeah. <laughs> like we're trying to, like I'm like, why are pastors spending more time trying, trying to exegete culture? I mean, we're not called to exegete culture. We should exegete the cross. Amen. And so I'm like, yep. like, like culture. You'll never be able to keep up with culture anyway. It's like, no. And Christians are always weirdos when they try to do it. It's <laughs> like it's like we're like it's like we're like aliens trying to like make you know give a commentary on something we can't get our heads around it's, not, exactly. it's inappropriate we always exactly. joke in here we have like a line about churches like like less skinny jeans smoke screens and big screens you know like yeah, right. more more about jesus like let's just go to yeah. the raw factor of it all yeah well yeah, yeah. i i want to go over to deeper well records because there's been some recent news in the last couple of years with what we talked about earlier off say off you know offline um, but how deeper well records came to life in 2012, uh, I don't think a lot of our audience really knows about maybe that backstory. Would you be able to enlighten them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just say to deeper well, it was it was very humbling. I um, it was like I would say uh, humility is learned in the school of humiliation, and I was uh, just recently um, I was having dinner in Florida 
um, I was speaking and Phil Wickham was the, was the worship leader for it. But we found out that there was another evangelist like group meeting at the, at the same, it was like the Grand Hilton over in, uh, um, in uh, Naples. And, uh, uh, we found out that Chris Tomlin is there as well. So, so he, so he's like, Josh, um, come, come have dinner with me and Chris Tomlin. I'm like, all right. So I, I go and have, uh, have dinner with them. And Chris Tomlin's like, Oh yeah, I remember meeting you, um, when you were on tour with David Crowder. And, uh, um, he's like, I remember telecast. And he's like, so did you stop making music after that record? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, and I was like, if you only like, knew, no. I've made like 10 albums that you've never heard. <laughs> and all of a sudden Josh like pulls out his coat and he's got him like, all right, here. he's like, which one do you want, I'm Tomlin? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and that was so funny. Like, I'm like, I called Darcy. I'm like, maybe kind of gave me a little pang. I was like, what would have happened if I had stayed on the road instead of starting a church? And she's like, you probably wouldn't have a wife. That's probably what would How about have that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, good point. Good point. I received that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, deeper. Well, um, really, you know, I never did stop making music after I quit touring with telecast and I made two more telecast albums for tooth and nail. Um, and then, um, uh, for my last record for, um, my contract with tooth and nail was right when I started door of hope. And that came out in 2010 it was um my first solo record acor yep. um and that was like that really was like the blueprint for like what door of hope worship was and so after the acor album was done i was like man i don't know if we like actually need like a label because it really the right. all i'm really interested in is just getting music out for our community if people want to have recordings of it it's how people familiarize themselves with the body of work and 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 you know and maybe we can offer uh you know just a different you know, everything in the Christian music market is um, derived out of Nashville, you know. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, I was just with Toby Mack like last week at uh, Luis Palau's memorial. And he was saying to me, it's like the it's like the see his world even like it, it, I mean, what's taken over the Christian music market is now is now the worship worship yeah. music and yeah. things like Hillsong and Bethel. And so it's like these these big movements, but they're still kind of. There, it's a very like, like, ingrown mm-hmm. sound. Yeah, like it's and I, and I don't mean that in a bad no, way. No, no, like, whatever. Like, there's yeah. a, I mean, I do, I'll do songs off of from these artists. Um, we do them in our own way, but um, but there's you know they, there is a formula to it, mm-hmm. and it's all produced and mixed out of the same place. And so exactly. So that because of that, it just it, it all has a very. And I found that like the worship community people are like hardcore. Like they, it's like all they listen to, and yeah. so they. Uh, yeah. So it's like there's all you become acclimated to it, and so that's the expectation. It's like yeah. I don't think people notice that if you turn on country music, modern country music, it's the only time that I get. Like I can always tell when I'm listening to a Christian radio station, <laughs> except sometimes I'm wrong because it's country music. It's because <laughs> they're all made in the same place, right? And, and, <laughs> and they're produced the, and they're the same produced way. The same way. Yeah. So, so for me, it was like I don't want to do that. And and I've always been. I mean, I've been willing to. Pro- I mean, like the the Pilgrim album's an example of like being willing to push it even beyond yeah. <laughs> probably what what's actually singable um, in a church service. Right. Um, but I. I you know, for me, the reason I went toward like the folk side of things is that when I was the telecast and like, which was, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think we were one of the bands that kind of created a blueprint for that kind of big stadium worship because telecast yeah. was like kind of cold play-ish, you know, oh, yeah, atmospheric yeah. worship. 
it's awesome. I love doing that. But I wanted to, I, I really wanted our church to reach everybody, young and old. And my thought was that there's nobody young or old ever says acoustic guitars are lame. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the one instrument. But, but if you have a fully electric, big, loud worship yeah. band, like that, that does immediately, that like cuts off a certain demographic yeah and i was yeah. like no i want to i want the church a to reflect the church i don't want to just be a, all young hipsters although yeah. that was a lot of what norfolk was but we also drew in their parents after that yeah. and it's like and i want to just create and i want to create a body of music that can where where it, it emotionally pulls on you um but it, but it isn't emotionally manipulative mm. and how do we allow them the, the words to have as much space as the melody and, and all of those things. So I, I mean, there was definitely a philosophy behind it. I was pretty extreme at first and I backed way off of that. Like where I, like, I think I was so burnt out from being asked to create these big, like epic worship services at the three churches I had worked before yeah, starting yeah. to our Pope that like for the first two years, I was, I wouldn't even have drums. I was like, I'm over it. I just, <laughs> it's going to be acoustic guitar and piano and a couple vocalists, you know? So deeper well kind of just came out of like, I was just writing so much music Honestly, it was just like, let's just create a label so that we can just put out the, yeah. the amount of content I, I'm, I was making. And so um, so then I did the first one was Wounded Healer yep. and the followers record. Yeah. And that was when I discovered Liz Weiss. Mm -hmm. And Liz was going to Dwarf Hope and she had never sang before in church. And she came really? up to me one Sunday and said, I'd like to sing. And, uh, so I tried her out and I'm like, yes, you should be singing. <laughs> and so, uh, so Eric early had come to faith and was, um, the lead singer of Blitz and Trapper, which was love Blitz probably, and Trapper. Yeah, especially at that time, they were, the, they were the biggest band in Portland at the time. Yeah. Um, and so he, he started coming really faithfully and got really involved. So he produced the followers record. Oh, and cool. I mean, in a lot of ways, it, I always joke, it kind of sounds like a Blitz and Trapper. It does record. sound like a Blitz and Trapper. Like, like yeah. Blitz and Trapper doing worship. It Eric does. basically played like everything on it, um, except for the wow. drums and bass. Um, so he, and he produced it and he mixed it and he sang on it. Um, so, so we got Liz to sing one, she sang harmony, but then we had her sing one lead on one track and fold me. And Absolutely, that was yeah. like, oh, I need to write her. Eric's like, you got to write her a whole record. And I'm like, all right. So. Then I wrote her album, um, There's a Light, yeah. uh, which I got Josiah Sherman, the guy that works with Frank Ocean, him and Eric Early to co-produce that. Oh, so no it was kidding. like this powerhouse team. Yeah. So wow. so Josiah mixed it. Um, him and Eric did all the arrangements. I just kind of wrote all the songs and used like hip hop break beats to like create that sort of Motown, like R&B, like that. feel. Yeah. But then I just asked them to like, I want it to be really Motown. And so they did, we did the recordings to two inch tape all live the only thing that wasn't live was the vocals and uh oh. yeah yeah super that records that yeah record amazing i would and have that never took, known that one that. ended up taking off it did yeah. and and yeah. when you hear it that's it's like it it's it we actually have it's kind of silly but we have parts of that on our on our throwback channel because it just yeah they like back it with it's in it's playing side by side with you know like some Aretha Franklin's old stuff and like Mighty Clouds of Joy because it just it just fits in that vibe so well. Um, uh, that, so, that someone, Liz was saying someone asked her once like, "How did you?" It was like an interview. They're like, "How did you get so like in touch with your black heritage for <laughs> uh, for this the, the writing of this record?" She's like, "I didn't write it. Actually, my 
white pastor who grew up in a small mill town. <laughs> Probably didn't even have black friends growing up. But my first record was Michael Jackson off the wall. So I, I would say that I was there you go. Uh, more than qualified yeah. as far as uh, the amount of music that I have. I'm, I, I'm like what you would call a data mystic. I have endless amounts of useless information running around in my head at all times. <laughs> but dude, that's so funny how music can move us because it's like we all in this room know it's like it's so about like not that what color we are. It's like it's what we bleed and what we believe in. And and that's that's yeah. really cool. Well, dude, we are we're big fans of the entire Cali Deeper Well. And of course, something we need to talk to you about, you know, you guys running that. And that led not only did this lead to success, but you have this recent news about Humble Beast, right? Yeah, so we, Thomas Terry, the founder of Humble Beast, um, we all, they're also in Portland. Him and I have been friends for a long time, and we just started kind of, we just meet, because he's, he's uh, been thrown into the hot seat of leading a church called Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so we just kind of hang out and talk about, I mean, for him, he's new to being a lead, a lead pastor. And, uh, you know, his, you know, he's also the, one of the main rappers in Beautiful Eulogy. Yeah. Um, and so I'd, I'd sing on a cup on a track for him and Josh Garrels, who used to be okay. an elder at door of hope and involved, um, he had done stuff with them. So we just have always had a relationship with them. Um, so yeah, he, he just said, Hey, what if you know, I want to expand like our musical family beyond just hip hop. And, you know, we loved what you did with Liz Weiss. We like your stuff. Would you be willing to, you know, consider like, what if we had deeper well become like sort of, like a, a partner label, you know, yeah. where we do kind of joint joint releases. So yeah. we just did our first joint release with them. It's a weird timing because he's like Thomas is just like setting settling into being lead pastor. COVID, yeah. Um, but we released we released what's done is done. I actually think it's the best like congregational record I've written since um, since probably since wounded healer. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, uh, with this young woman, Holly Ann, who's awesome. We've done an album with her. Mm -hmm. Um, she wrote the two songs that she sing, uh, the, um, breather of the stars. Mm Um, and, and, uh, it's always you that man, both those songs are just, I mean, those are huge, like just awesome. Breather of the stars should be like a massive worship hit. If that's not if that's appropriate to say, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. just it's just that memorable, and it yeah. has all the elements that you want in a worship song. Yep, people grab a hold of it immediately. So, so yeah, yeah. and then I've got another EP coming out um, probably next month called Holy Haunt, which is a um, on that's a humble beast deeper well joint release. It's cool so. too because the it seems like the vision between humble beast and deeper well is so is so sim- I mean so on the same page is like. You know, just about creating good art for that that's centered that's centric around the gospel, and um, yeah. I mean, we we and deci- d- discipleship of art. I mean, for yeah, uh, what I like about deep a uh, humble beast is they're really big on like the discipleship of artists. Yeah, like how do how do you keep artists anchored in the gospel? Exactly, uh, which is that really that really resonates with me. And, yeah, it's awesome, and and we have I mean we play humble, all of humble beast stuff and yeah. all all the deeper well stuff um, on on various channels on praisers. So. I mean, we're, we're stoked about it. We're really excited about what the Lord's doing between the two of you guys. You yeah. Know? And I want to go mm. back something, Josh. We talk about, you talk about like, you know, I, I you know, I, I started back in 2007 as an artist manager in a secular world, man, and like had worked with legacy hip hop artists, you know, who'd gone around the world and R&B and some country folks. But 
Dude, it's so true what you said about like the production value of these songs. And you had a quote that you wanted to create a space where the worship would be simple and the songs force people to think what, through what they're singing. And it was a goal that not to create emotional response through music, but rather thought-provoking impact on people through simple, sin- sincere music, you know, for the worship mm-hmm. music. And I think it's so important for like even like our young audience out there and like for what you do and like for people that we listen to, even Mike, you know, he's bound by scripture and his songs that like you get to Nashville and don't get like tricked out by the lights because they're going to be like, Hey, here's loafers, loafers, loafers. But they don't tell you about the vans yeah. that we like to wear mm-hmm. and like create that kind of mm-hmm. music. And I think that's a real important thing is like stick to your guns, stick to like yeah. what God's speaking to you, like speak to what you write, you know, stay in the scripture. Cause there's so many of these kids that just get lost, man. And like, gosh, going to Nashville every year, it's the same conversations. Like, how do we get out of this space? You know, well, it kind of reminds me too, yeah. like the conversation we had with Zach Neese a few you know, a few weeks back, he yeah. said, he said, there's a difference between loving Jesus and loving worship yeah. and, and the worship. I mean, it's hard, it seems sad to say it, but like worship industry has become just that it's be, kind of become an industry where, you know, where everybody's trying to sound like the same, you know, like what's, what's approved right now or what's trending. Like I got to make it sound yeah. like this. And, and then I think we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't need guitars to sound like Coldplay anymore. Exactly. We're good. We're good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, when, and when we do that, when we, when we're trying to make that sound for approval of, of, you know, whoever we we're robbing the earth of the voice that God gave us and our own identity in Christ, you know? And I think that, yeah. that identity is so much more beautiful because it's it's truly who you were wired to be, you know, and that's one of the things yeah. that we love about what's going on at Door Hope, you know, yeah, exactly. that there's that that genuineness of the artist just writing from who they are, and and it, it's like, you know, you might hear on one record, you might hear Wesley Eater, who's got this kind of old gospel, like country gospel, like, and but when you see him, he's got this long stringy blonde hair, it looks like he's in a speed metal band, but he's got <laughs> he's singing these you know country gospel songs, and they're awesome, you know, and then. He's he's like a he's like a legitimate uh, like, I mean that that guy is a town like Towns Van Zant like you know like yeah. that kind of uh, yeah like yeah like outsider like almost bluegrass yeah uh, he's like he's gotten really good at flat picking too Has we're he? gonna do a new record with him new record with him this year yeah oh, cool yeah he's yeah he's he's really great and I've got a couple young uh, young kids that I've like grabbed the whole load. This kid, um, I want to work with this kid, Taylor Armstrong is doing really well. Um, that that's down in San Clemente. He's thinking about moving up to Portland. Nice. But, yeah. You know what, you know what I always like to tell worship leaders and like you, we need to be, we need, we need to be theologians first and musicians second. Yeah. And, you know, I, like I, I, for me, I, like with music, I, you know, I would say like, I listen broadly, I read broadly but all of it, you know, has to be, it has to serve the, the God. You can't lose, because it's easy to lose yourself and trying to pursue, a, you know, a unique sound. That's a good way to lose yourself and yeah. forget why you're doing what you're doing. It's like, um, uh, but you can also lose yourself in just like falling into the trappings of just like, I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, uh, I think that it's really discovering an original voice, um, you know, even that is like secondary to like, is what you're doing Christocentric and like, right. is it, is it theologically grounded? Cause that, and that's what I really mean by like, I want our music to provoke deep emotional response, but I don't want the emotional response to be because the hook is loud. I want yeah. it to be because like the gospel just pierced me. Like I just, I just, 
I actually just met with the living Christ in this yeah. moment, um, you know, yeah, and so, yeah. and, and I just think that that's a really, I, I think that a lot of times the musicians have a tendency to focus so deeply on the music that they, I did that in my twenties, even as a non-Christian, I think the greatest weakness of my music in my, in my youth, when I got signed is I, I was way more focused on the music than I was on the lyrics and I didn't read enough. I like, mm. and so the, the lack of reading, showed in like the triteness of the lyrical content you know it's like you know yeah. as as uh, songwriters as, as psalmists there should be we you know we're defenders or protectors of language like we should be yeah you know it's we're, it's how do you simply and beautifully you know point people to jesus <laughs> and and so how do you say the same thing in, in a lot of different right ways? <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's right? funny because <laughs> so, you can you can fall on either side of that you could be too focused on the music that you miss the message or too focused on the message that you lose the creativity side of it. And it reminds me of a quote that you guys are not a quote, but, a, a, a you know, on your about side of uh, deeper wells says that, um, uh, where was it? Our goal as a collective is to help create as an artist, navigate the tension so often found between the world of art and the world of Jesus for art by itself uh, by art, by its very nature, is self-expression, while Jesus, by his very na nature, is self-denial. What we need is a drive for creativity that is not motivated by the desire to be known, but by the desire to make Jesus known. And I think that yeah. says it just, just as perfect as you can. You know, it's do it yeah. with excellence, but for the excellence of the glory of Christ, you know. I forgot I wrote that. That's pretty good. That's good. <laughs> you can feel free to use that. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I gotta say, is there like, dude, to me, like, you're like a worship leader of worship leaders. Like, you've mentored so many young people and talent, and we said that about Zach Neese and Andrea Davis, but Josh Garrels. So like, like I listen yeah. to your music. I listen to Garrels. Like he, he's actually pulled me into a lot of people. I, I try to show him hip hop world more. You know, he shows me metal. And he's like, I told you to be a metal fan one day. <laughs> and I was like, maybe, right. maybe. What was it like working with like, well, I guess it's a two part question. Is there one worship artist that just stands out to you that you've worked with or mentored? And what was it like working with Josh Garrels? Cause you guys end up dropping that EP together, which I absolutely love that from yeah. 18. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, Gerald's is really, he's super fun to work with because he's, um, I mean, Gerald's and I are both like flighty, like, uh, as Mike discovered, I, I, I'm, I seem easy to get a hold of in comparison to Josh Gerald's. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, and time, and time, and time doesn't exist for me. That's part of my problem. Um, but, uh, uh. uh but yeah, I mean, he's such a dear friend and he was an elder at Door of Hope. And so it's like he, he, you know, that what made it fun to work with him is just like, we just had such a, we both had like such a revival. We love revivalists. And yeah. so like that, that desire to see an awakening and, um, and then, and then pro approaching the music from an outsider perspective of like not concerning ourselves so much with the Christian music market, but just doing what we feel God's called us to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's deeply missed. I mean, he's living on a farm now in Michigan. Um, but he actually just texted me not long ago and just said, "We need to do another another EP together in the next in the next." He said, "2022, Josh White, Josh Garrels, Volume Two. And I'm like, "Sure, I'm down." Oh, <laughs> so, that'd, that'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm excited. About it. I just this girl I just met. Her name's Mercedes uh, Mercedes Lehrman. Um, she, she just gave me a cover she did of 
girls farther along and it's so good oh, i'm like man. really like, josh this girl's recording of your song like a very pure voice and her, her interpretation of that track is really really impressive that's awesome so i'm gonna record something and she's like she's pretty green but she has got a great just like unbelievable natural voice and oh, I'm, I'm excited to help her make a record and she she has a kind of a theme like she even plays guitar similar to him really so i think it, it could really? be like it's more of like a female version Interesting. you know like a, of, of that kind of like huh. real captivating solo yeah kind of acoustic artist yeah, yeah that's awesome cool yeah i like, so, can't wait to hear yeah. that so, yeah no like, as far as which artists uh, i like the best work i mean there's so many like i yeah i loved uh I love, you know who I loved working with? I loved working with Aaron Sprinkle, um, oh. who produced the early telecast record. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was super fun to work with, but I loved working as well. Josiah Sherman, the guy that does the Frank Ocean stuff, he oh, was yeah. the keyboard player in Rock and Roll Worship Circus. Yeah. Um, really. And so all those guys, like, are th- those are good friends, and we're all from the same town. Yeah. And they, they, they all worked on, like, all the telecast albums and even up to the first followers record. So Chris Greeley... Gabe Wilson. Um, I think yeah, so, he's so, is Gabe in Portland now, or is he in Astoria? He, uh, Gabe's now. I mean, he was he was born in Astoria and then grew up in Longview. So, okay. okay. And he he actually met me through uh, when I was in Man Ray, like as a secular artist, and he came up. He really wanted his uh, his uh, um, Longview band to open for me, and I was in. I remember he called me with the day the Telecast record dropped, and he's like, he's like, I don't know if you remember, but I met you like you know, a few years ago and you were like in full makeup and <laughs> I came up and I, I asked if we could play a show with you and he goes, and you totally blew me off. <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, and I thought you were so cool. You were like a cool rock star. I love that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I don't think that's very cool. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so, uh, it was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of working with so many great, yeah, yeah. I mean, Eric Early from Blitz and Trapper is amazing. Chris Benson's amazing. Yeah. Liz Weiss was so fun to write for. Oh, she needs to let me write another record for her. But, I was just yeah. going to say, yeah, we're just getting started, dude. Like, you've had so much yeah. wealth of experience, but yet, and the time's flown by, but yet you, it's, you're just getting started, right? <laughs> I, you know, it, it, I, midlife crisis just keeps me going. Keeps me going. Hey, now, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm showing the kids that I, I understand hyperpop better than them. You know you're hitting a midlife crisis when you're getting into like obscure music genres that no one's heard of, nor should anyone hear of it necessarily. <laughs> when you're introducing... And, I, and that all... Yeah, that flowed out of my son showing me this music. And I'm like, I don't, what is this? I don't like this. And I was like, and then he's like, I love this. It's amazing. And I was like, oh no, it's happened. I finally was introduced to a genre I don't get. I'm getting old. This is not okay. And then I just obsessively dug into it until not only did I get it, but I could tell you who all the top artists were in that genre. And my son took me aside and he goes, Dad, I just want you to know it's a little weird that you're obsessed with hyperpop. <laughs> hey, you know what? It makes for a better wide pitch range, man. When you, when, yeah. when you get to the when you get to that production table, the pitch range is like, woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's true. Well, I, like, it's, there's it's, some. It's pretty bad that all my songs like now are sped. I like speed them all up so I sound like it's like worship music that kind of sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. Well, you're no you're no stranger to um, rehabbing houses. I've noticed. I, you know, you can learn a lot about somebody's no. Instagram page, man. 
And yeah, yeah, yeah. not only do we find that rockin' suburban, but you work on a house right now. Uh, if, the, if, I, if, if my facts are right here, it's your third re- project. Like a th- you guys are you guys are into the house, whole house market flipping or. Yeah, I mean, my wife and I both have interior design backgrounds, and that's a big part of even Door of Hope is like our vision for the church was like there's so many old, you know, beautiful churches that were empty or even abandoned. Like our Northeast building Mm -hmm. was boarded up, you know, we took and we renovated that whole thing, like basically brought all the hardwood floors back to life, painted every square inch of it, like and just kind of re like our whole kind of vision was like let's revitalize these beautiful historic buildings throughout the city and then bring a solid gospel-centered community into those into those buildings yeah kind of as a as a pillar in the in in the city i love nikki gumbel the founder of alpha and he said every time someone walks by an, an empty church in england they think there's another uh there's there's another uh emblem of a forgotten kingdom kingdom and a long lost king and i I think that um you know i i think there's a lot of truth to that you know the seeker sensitive movement and the the evangelical movement where churches moved out into the suburbs and started revamping kmart buildings you know um it like it's the church became almost hidden from the public eye because it just blended in right where you know these beautiful old like gorgeous architecturally I mean, yeah. Portland's an old city. It's one of the first cities on the West Coast. And so yeah. there's just a lot of like 1890 to 1910. Yeah. So combined with that, so I've restored, so actually I've restored two churches and I've remodeled three houses. That's awesome, years. man. <laughs> so, that is awesome. So our, yeah, the new house we just did was crazy and it almost killed me, but it was, it's uh, hopefully the last one I do for a while. It's a, <laughs> it, cause it was like a drug house in a really nice neighborhood that should have been torn down probably. Mm-hmm. And we like just, we took it down to the studs and like it was a Frankenstein. And so we kind of turned it into this sort of, like Scandinavian style, like coastal looking home. Yeah. So sweet. It's awesome. It's somehow fitting too, that, that, that it was a drug mm-hmm. house. And now you've guys, rather than tear it down and, and start over, you're like, no, we're going to redeem this thing. And so it's like, kind of yeah. goes back to our discussion oh, yeah. at the beginning of, uh, you know, David's mighty men and the, and the, those that were dejected and disenfranchised, like even your house is it, reflective in that. <laughs> I love, and what a, what a great, distraction from you know when everybody said they put on the covid 25 i like i lost 25 pounds because i was so stressed out and i worked like 20 hours a day for like three months straight <laughs> so i'm like i'm like I, I just figured out the key to weight loss i'm gonna do my own youtube uh influencer instagram account all you have to do is move 20 hours a day be super stressed and don't eat yeah that's it that's all you gotta do yeah. it's so easy <laughs> it's just a, you have like a hundred of the same episode <laughs> and today's workout is take down drywall <laughs> for, <laughs> for 17 hours <laughs> and that's the house where like you almost see like the cape cod like the northeast have a cedar planks in the front right where it's kind of like it's all it's all cedar shingle, yeah. Cedar we shingle, like tore yeah. Up, yeah. We took off three layers of of siding, yeah. and uh, um, yeah, I mean, people can check out my Instagram. It's just like I think it's Josh Alexander White. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, I I think what people I, and I have to say that now because uh, I feel like my publisher are more interested in in. Um, more interested in my in my social media presence than me finishing my manuscript. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're like, you haven't been active. I'm like, 
Don't threaten me. I will buy bots. I'm just going to buy bots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We know that. We know that game really well. Yeah, I, know, like, I, I know that conversation about, you know, you haven't been very active. My, uh, Brandon has, he's, he barks at me a couple times a, a week about, well, not so much anymore because I, I'm just terrible with social media. And, well, dude, I, we, well, look, I'm old enough. I'm probably the youngest guy in this room, but I'm old and I'm 37. I'm old enough to know, like, I, we went from a product-driven market to a service-driven market, you know. And I still mm-hmm. buy vinyl records. I love vinyl, yeah. and you know, I, yeah, I might be into pop and you know the whole singer-songwriter vibe and listen to LTJ Bukum growing up. You know, that's how I learned how to spit some lines. You know, um, drum and bass. But I, dude, I really appreciate your style and like. I, there's a really cool story. It's, I know it's a fun one. This is just a fun one. So bear with me, man. Don't don't judge me here. Mm-hmm. But um, there's this picture of you on your Instagram. Your hair is much longer at the time. And then you're like hugging a chicken (laughs) and you're like, this isn't cool because I'm really scared of chicken. So can you enlighten our audience on like this whole background, that picture? Cause it's awesome. Uh, I, you know, I think I was just over at my friends, Chad and Liza and they had just gotten chickens and the chicken they were showing us. And I was, Liza picked one up and she's like, you want to hold it? And I'm like, I don't like chickens, but <laughs> it'll make a funny picture. So I, I reluctantly grabbed it and then stuck it next to my face <laughs> very quickly before throwing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get out of here. Oh, I don't like chickens. I like, you know, I like, I like peacocks and there's peacocks in my neighborhood. Really? Oh, wow. Somebody, somebody has raised peacocks and they're, I'm a huge Flannery O'Connor fan, oh, the novelist, and she had like she had like 200 peacocks. She yeah. even wrote an essay about them called "The Cheers of the Invisible Parade." Um, okay. And uh, yeah, there's something very, and they, they're even their feathers are like a, they're they they were a symbol used by the early church even of like yeah. like kind of representing life, eternal life. And um, yeah. but yeah, there's peacocks that run around in my neighborhood. That's it's awesome. Really funny, it's like it just seems like so out of place. I'm I like, know. I don't think they're I... really they're stubborn. I'm like I keep trying to I'm. I told Darcy, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to lure them to our house. <laughs> I think they they made a they make a beautiful addition to the front of the house. Yeah, um, but are, I, so I they're wild. Out. I, uh, are they're, they? No, they're their own. Oh, but I don't know. I don't know by who, and they populated. I don't think I ever heard peacocks. I don't think I ever heard peacocks up there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've heard them before, but like when when we were in Oregon, I don't think I ever saw a peacock. I know. Northern California had some wild ones, but maybe they're maybe they're migrating. <laughs> so yeah, I, no, these are this is someone bought them. Oh, they oh okay, they're, so they're they just they just they just roam. Okay, like, but I'm sure they go back to their little pen or whatever. Yeah, in the neighborhood. Yeah, and before we get too far out, because we've got we're getting it close to our artist corner moment here, but uh, you know you, you've mentioned a current name a couple of times, and you know we we're Christians first, but you're also a husband and a father and mm-hmm. that's a blessing mm-hmm. can you speak about you, your wife and your kids and how that influences your da- daily walk yeah um yeah my wife darcy and i are coming up on i mean may may 24th uh we will have been together 25 years we'll be married wow. 24 in october Congrats, um man. and then um yeah neither of us were believers when we met so i mean very by the grace of god you know i i like to say it someone asked me the other day, this girl was tattooing me and she's not a believer. And she goes, how, how have you, what advice do you have to like, that's amazing that you're still together. And, uh, I just said, you know, uh, marriage is about repeating the yes of love every day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and yeah, I still get excited when my wife comes into a room because she's so awesome. 
and she she is sort of the queen of the house. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I have two kids, Henry, who's 19. He looks like a young Elton John. Yeah, he does. And, uh, uh, <laughs> this is glasses. <laughs> Dude, that's and awesome. My, and, yeah, no, he's, he's a cool kid, really cool kid. Um, and he's at PSU. And oh, cool. we're actually, he's going to, we're, we're doing an apartment in, in the downstairs of the house. It's got its own private entrance where he's going to live while he oh, cool. finishes up his degree. So we, I wasn't ready to lose him yet. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like, it, it was one of the reasons we bought a house. I'm like, if we got a house and we gave you your own apartment, we, would you not leave yet? <laughs> so, I mean, I just love hanging out with, he's just like, I mean, I, it's like, I would choose to hang out with my son over any other guys I know, you know, it's like, yeah. he's just such a rad dude. Great, and then my daughter Hattie is 15 and she's a freshman and she's like a force of nature. She's also a singer songwriter. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And I've just started helping her record. So oh, dude, we saw cool. the video. Yeah, yeah. This actually, so yeah. I, I met someone that's really special in my life. Someone that, you know, you, you like light up the room when they walk in. Right. And, I told her I was like, you know, if, if the good Lord, you know, we continue to honor God in this, and we, we, you know, we get to the altar and we have two kids. I was like, can we have this moment? Because like I'm an amateur, it comes to singing and playing guitar. But I showed her that mm-hmm. image of like your daughter's hand on your shoulder and y'all singing together. I was like, no. I, Cat Stevens oh, yeah, songs, yeah. wasn't it? it was, yeah, it was Cat Stevens, yeah. and I was just yeah. like lost. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that yeah, that's cool. a that's a goal. That's a goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I love that. She's a yeah, and now she like I just recorded her. She wanted the. You know, you got cool kids and you've raised them well musically when if you go in my daughter's bedroom, like the posters on her walls are like the Cocteau Twins, <laughs> Mazzy Star, Kurt Cobain, yeah. My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> I'm like, I got a cool kid. Got cool she kids. gets it. And Neil Young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So. She gets it. Well, that's so, yeah, great. Uh, we're a very close family. Very close. Yeah, yeah you can tell, man. When, you know, you, I know social media only tells us so much when we were like reading down on all this stuff, but when you get down to it, you're like, that's, there's a lot of joy in that house, and and we can see yeah. it. It's that's beautiful. Well, we hate to have you go, but we got you know you're welcome here anytime, my friend. And um, if oh, thank we, you so much. Yeah, no, very much. It's been so awesome to have you. And and for Mike and I, we need to get to Portland anyhow. So let's we want to come get us you know get get lectured by you. Get, get some of that. Get some <laughs> yeah. of that, that that in us. And um, but this is a moment that we have on the Praiser House where we say, you know, look, Josh, this is this is your floor. Um, is there anything that's on your heart, anything that's been spurring around your mind? It's like, look, I really need to get this out. And this is for the audience. And it could even just be a plug for your next EP. I know we've already talked about it, but whatever, what do you want to say, man? This is all you. Yeah. Well, I just think, you know, we're coming up on Good Friday and Easter and, you know, the book that I'm writing actually is called The Good Death and it won't come out till August of 2022. Um, but, um, but the, the whole focus of it is, is, uh, looking at the seven, it's kind of a combination of a memoir mixed with like devotional reflection, like a Tozer pursuit of God type of thing. And I'm, what I'm reflecting on is, is, you know, how does grace intersect with our lives? Uh, and, and the answer to that is when we actually come to the cross and that that's not something that we go through. It's something we continually look to that, that, you know, in the words of Robert Farrar Capone, like, if the world could live its way to salvation, it would have a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It can only die it. It can only die its way there. Wow. Um, and so, for me, the good death is kind of the central heartbeat of everything I've ever done in music and in preaching, which is the that Jesus from the cross speaks these seven statements, and mm-hmm. each one wields 
a fatal blow to one arena of our life. But on the backside of that is is how we come to resurrection life now. Wow. And so the the first statement, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's this beautiful revelation yeah. um, of God's deep desire uh, to not exist without us. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, he, he may not, he may not need us, but he chooses to not exist without us. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, um, yeah. and, uh, and that, you know, the thing that I always tell my audience every single week, my, or my church family or wherever I speak is that on your worst thinking day, Jesus is crazy about you. And so, you know, what I, what I want people to understand is that, you know, the death of innocence is the birth of forgiveness. And yeah, it's wow. like, and so, uh, and you know, what we have turned Christianity to in America often, um, is, you know, is, is a, a, a lot of ladder climbing. And, mm. you know, I like to say that the cross, you know, the symbol of Christianity is not a ladder, it's a cross. And the yeah. cross isn't something you climb, it's something you die on. Yeah, and right. so, you know, the beautiful thing is, all we can bring to Jesus is our dead bodies, but the good news is Jesus is in the business of bringing dead things to life. And so, yeah. uh, and so I, I think, you know, I always am trying to help people understand that, you know, uh, our life is mixture. Even the things that we do in the power of the spirit is mixture. And the reason that we see this, the, this devastating story is like what we just saw with Ravi Zacharias. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. when I compare that to Luis Palau, where I know that will never come out. <laughs> Nothing like that would come out around Luis is that there are some very big differences. And I think that this is what we as Christians should be striving for. Luis's sophistication flowed out of the simplicity of the gospel. Hmm. When I listen to Ravi Zacharias, I would often think to myself, what a great mind. Hmm. Whenever I listened or spent time with Luis Palau, what I would walk away with was what a great Jesus. Oh, and I man. think that that's, that, that speaks to that just speaks to the the power of the gospel. And it was like, he wasn't a guy that was like using the fanciest arguments. What he was a guy is that when you talked with him or you heard him speak, you believed that he believed what he was saying, yeah. which I think is really crucial and often missing in the church. Yeah. And you believe that he really loved Jesus and that Jesus really loves you, the listener. And it's like, and so I just think that we have got to come back to the simplicity of the gospel. We've got to, We've got to quit giving ourselves over to these endless, you know, self-help fads, which to me create ladders that exhaust us. And, and that's not what the church is for. Jesus is the ladder, Mm. (laughs) according to John, according to the close of chapter one. So, so I just say, Hey, the world will always do the world better. (laughs) So Jesus says, come die with me. And it's like, and, and then he's going to bring us alive and he says, and I will give you life and life abundantly. The enemy wants to bring us death and death abundantly. The good death is the key to life. And so I just keep calling people to like, the only thing we have the power to really do is surrender. And what the world is looking for is not, is not the moral perfection or the ideal lived out while there's duplicity going on. What the world is looking for is an authentic expression of a people that really love Jesus, but also recognize that they're broken and lost without him. So I say, we need to function a lot more like an AA meeting where, yeah. you know, the only, the only thing a saint is, is, is a sinner who consistently confesses and repents. Which is exactly <laughs> what is, is exactly what the, like we talk about the, the, um, 
the the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, the we, all the, the Pharisees like the Pharisees like, oh man, I'm so I'm so Lord, thank you that I'm so awesome and not like this jerk. Nope. You know, and he's just like, God, I am such a scumbag. God, have mercy on me. Like, we if we can keep that posture of like, God, I, th- there is nothing in me that has deemed your love or, or, or like, you know, made me lovable. It's like it's just the gospel. Right. It's just the gospel. Yeah. Right? And Josh, I want to hear more from you because you you and the, the only person in my entire life. This is where I get a spiritual punch. Ugh. <laughs> I gotta like pause to hold it because a spiritual punch is when you're just overwhelmed, like you just feel it, it just comes out of your heart, man. When you said that the death of innocence is the beginning of salvation, like me going into for Good Friday, Mike and I talk about this all the time. It's like I have to mourn his death before I can celebrate his resurrection. But knowing on the back end of that, we you know, that is our salvation. Mm-hmm. I've never heard mm-hmm. it so clearly in my entire life. You're the only person who has said that so clearly. It's like I, I literally could feel myself getting inked with those words. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, really, because that is, and it, it kind of reminded me of like putting, you're putting us in a position of like checking our hearts, right? Like, is our soil tender enough to even grow in his world? And that's, thank mm-hmm. you for saying that. Cause for our audience, that that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, Man, mm-hmm. this has been so awesome. I want to do a part two already. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just well, I'm, I'm sorry. It was. I'm sorry. Uh, it was so hard to get me. Uh, Not at all. On, like last week, I was like teaching, and that was like, you know, it was funny. It was the last day we were going to do this last week, and it was like it was the last day of me teaching my first ever Bible college class. That's awesome. Um, we so didn't I even taught, get to talk I about taught, that. Yeah, I talked. Not, I taught through nine lectures through Galatians, but the students. Uh, were just you know the thing they said were like and this is all I could ever want and it, and I think losing Luis really helped me realize that it's like I just want people I don't want people to like you were amazing like the I had this girl just say to me oh like you just helped me know that Jesus really loves me and helped me fall more in love with Jesus this week and I'm like I, that's all I could hope yeah I'm man. like yeah. <laughs> you know it's like. So you, you, I'm like, it's funny that a Bible college would have hire a guy that never went to college teach a Bible class. But hey, you know, nothing <laughs> on them. <laughs> nothing on it, man. It, if that was our, if, that's what we want. If that, yeah. if if that could turn into a paycheck, I mean, I like a paycheck, but I don't need a paycheck if that's the kind of rewards I make, because we know where it's going to be stored up yeah. to, you know. Yeah, man. Well, dude, you're yeah. welcome here anytime. Yeah. When you get, if you get to back to Florida, hit us up. Let's hang out. You know. And, where are you guys uh, at? Are you guys in Miami or are you guys, um, where just, are you at? Just north in Vero Beach. It's like two hours north of Miami. Okay. So. Okay. On the on the Gulf side or the Atlantic side? Atlantic side. Yeah. So I always okay. tell people like an hour and a half southwest of Orlando, 45 minutes south of Melbourne, and two hours north of Miami. Yeah. Okay. Tre- Treasure Coast. I was, in, yep. I was in West Palm Beach last, oh. last year. Yeah, yeah that's just not, south of yeah, us. That's, that's not far from us. Yep. Okay. About, about okay. 50 minutes to an hour, depending on how fast yeah. you like to drive, you know. So, okay. I like drive pretty fast. Yeah, me too, man. Anything that goes fast or explodes is kind of a fun thing. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. But we'll definitely look you up when we get to Portland. And everybody can go, you know, since the publishers are taking a look, go to, you know, Instagram.com and forward slash Josh.Alexander.White. And yeah. guys, make sure you yeah. check these guys out. Like, look, you can go to Deeper Well, um, you know, PDX.org, all the music there, deeper, excuse me, DeeperWell.com and then Door of Hope PDX.com. Yeah. And make sure you guys get involved with Josh. Um, let me tell you, you're going to get closer to the Lord by listening to Josh White. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. And, no. and on, on the, on the church's website, Door of Hope PDX.com, there's, 
you got the soul sessions and you got yeah. there's so much stuff there like just really good music you got some stuff with with Garrels and Liz Vice and the stuff you did with Wounded Healer like there's just a lot of resources that you can just really dive in and then there's links to all the music so if yeah. our audience wants to check that out they can also listen to it our coffee house channel we've got probably every deeper well every artist one, yeah. that's that you guys have put out yeah. And then, and, uh, and all our all our stuffs on Apple Music, Apple Music, Spotify, and like yep. I have a Spotify page, and yep. um, and it's it's dorvopdx.org.org. Yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, not, not, good point. Not, not com. So yeah, sorry about yes, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, man, guys, it's been a real pleasure being with you guys. Super fun. Yeah, yeah man, Josh. Likewise, likewise brother. Be safe. God bless you. Okay, we'll see you soon. Uh, all right, you guys have a great right, day. See you, brother. See you. Bye bye. Man, that was so awesome. Mike, Josh White, ladies and gentlemen. So let's just go back over that for our audience, for y'all listening in. So doorofhopepdx.org, very important. That's the church that it that Josh has started in. And they just look, hey, I, I was checking out one of the locations. They just ended up getting this beautiful sign. And I like that he mentioned he's got a background tier design. Yeah. You, you can see it. Like oh, it's yeah. all over. And a guy who's yeah. handy, you know. Yep. But also go to deeper hyphen well. So deeper yeah. little dash hyphen well.com. Check out all the discography. They're all there. I mean, even yeah. the stuff that, like you mentioned, we talked about Josh Garrels and even the, like Liz Ice, all of that's yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and easy to download, all major DSPs. Man, that that was big, Mike. That, that quote he said, the death of innocence is the birth of salvation. I think it was forgiveness. Forgiveness, for, excuse me. For, Correct yeah, me. Yeah, I think that's right. But, but yeah, dude, that's, that's really well put. The death of innocence which was Christ, the, yeah. the only innocent one that's ever lived, is the the birth of our forgiveness, our, How, our reconciliation. Dude, that is that's like if people don't understand that, it's it, it's very important too. Yeah, like that is that is huge, and I think that's why we always go into Good Friday, like that. This Good Friday wrecks me every single yeah. year. Like it's like my father dying. Yeah, like and I'm not just saying like like or like in the context of like Jesus, you know, God, the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about like my own dad. Yeah, like you know, you know more than the loss of your parents and, or a brother or sibling or a child. Mm -hmm. Like I weep like a baby. Yeah, and I do it because of my love for Jesus. Yeah, and sometimes I I do it. I don't even know it's that's the reason. It just overwhelms me. Yeah, and I think everyone like I'm not asking people to be like me, but I'm asking them to love Jesus on their own terms, and in their own heart. And let th that just speak to them, yeah. Because that's a big deal, yeah. You know, especially as we get into this Easter weekend with mm -hmm. Josh, man. Just dude, I could sit there and talk to him like all day yeah. long. Like he, like be my career counselor. Yeah, <laughs> just straight up, man. Yeah, yeah. We could, we could. I could definitely see you doing a part two or three because there's, there's, there's just so much going on. And as they keep pumping out new music, there's going to always be content to talk about. And there is. Um, and really, there's the the music they're bringing out is. It's so unique and so like off the beaten path, which is, you know, that's my heart is yep. like just the music that the, the Keith Greens of the world today, you know, run like, with Mike's rebel heart. <laughs> 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 is that a Chris Stapleton reference? Maybe <laughs> Maggie run, Maggie run. Yeah. But man, it's, uh, I pay yeah. attention. It, it was, good. <laughs> it was good talking with him and, uh, I hope we get him on. Again. I hope we get him on again sometime. We will. And we'll, we'll have to hang out. You know, let's look, we, not only are we brothers in Christ, you and I, but with Josh and all of our, our folks out there, I think that's what's really encouraging Like to the young folks that are listening. I know you, you we said this last time, and now I'm starting to feel it more and more in my heart, and it's not about me. It's about him, you know, our, our Heavenly Father. And um, wherever you're at, like wherever you're at right now, just take yourself outside of your body, which you can't actually do, but just you can imagine it. You have imagination. And turn around and look at yourself and know that Jesus is standing right here. Yeah. And I know it's kind of cliche because it goes back to like the footprints in the sand thing, 
but that's as real as it gets. Yeah. And so just like give, allowing your life, allowing yourself to know that he's with you no matter what you're going through. We've got some folks in our, you know, our local ministry that are going through some tough stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been through some tough stuff. You've been through tough stuff. And we probably are going to go through even more tough stuff. Yeah. But it's really easy when, when Jesus is at the wheel. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, I'm not going to go into like Carrie Underwood, of course, I just did cliche about Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead. Watch. <laughs> this is an audition. Mike wanted to do American Idol, but he backed out. So this is now his audition. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Idol. I'm coming. He's not coming for you, no. guys. I'm sorry. You um, would never catch me on American Idol. Uh, we're not going to sign a 300 page agreement that locks you in for 10 years. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just is. Isn't it? So, yeah. well, look, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Praiser House. Super, super pumped for today. This is Josh White. You can go check it out. So, one more plug for Josh and his church out in Portland, Oregon, doing the things that most people won't have the courage to do. And I love that about him. I even like how he rocks the gold up in the I like gr- that gold tooth, man. That gold tooth. Not rock- many people pull that off. Dude, I love his style. <laughs> I love his vibe. Yeah. And so, doorofhopepdx.org. Make sure you check out the church. Heck, send him a gift. Tithe. Send something over his way. They could all use it, especially when they're not at max capacity. And deeper-well.com. Not yeah. hyphen sped out, just a little dash. So deeper-well.com. Yeah. And go over, oh, sorry, real quick. Go to his Instagram page, forward slash josh.alexander.white, mm-hmm. and catch up with him. We're really excited. We're so blessed, Mike. Oh, uh, I was going to say that yep. also to keep your ears open because he's got the new EP going to be dropping uh, Holy Haunt. He didn't give. A, he didn't have a, t- a timeline on that. No, but Actually, it's twenty twenty. I think he did say there was a timeline. I, think he said I thought was, he said April. I think he said April. Late April. Yeah. So keep your ears open for that because that's going to be legit. Yeah, and and you gotta you can do it. I mean, you can if you haven't downloaded Praiser, do it because we we have all of the music. Excuse me. Yeah. On there, you can also do it on demand. Go to your other platforms, and it won't be long, ladies and gentlemen. We need your support, so please get involved with us. And sign up because the more registered users we have on the platform, the easier it is for us to be able to move to this non this interactive model mm-hmm. for Praiser. And it's 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 easy. Just go to your phone, download it, Praiser, yeah. search it. Because um, right now there's no ads and it's free. We're always going to have a freemium model, uh, but we'll always have a premium model for on demand. So if you're like, oh, I want to go to that one EP with him and Garrels, Josh yeah. White and Josh Garrels, you can like go, search it, go to it, download it, put it in your playlist, and then away yeah. you go. Yeah. And and a lot of people are, are digging that that move for us. Um, we need the labels to support us and. And they are, uh, you know, these things take time. Yeah. And um, we're going to get there with God's grace and his will. It's his timing. Yep. His timing. It is. Just like the end of this podcast is his timing. It is. And I think we're coming <laughs> up on it. We are. So I, I sense it in the spirit that this is coming to an end here. I feel the spirit. The end is near. <laughs> we don't want to get too far into that because people are going to start thinking we're talking about witchcraft. Uh, but we don't do that stuff. We love Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yeah. We're not, super excited. That no this, kind of weird spirit. No, and Good Friday, dude, two days yeah. away, and I'm going to be a sopping diaper. And then by the time people watch this, it's going to be like, what, Christmas, I think. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> we always put plugs and timelines, I know everybody, and it's just like, oh, I, I think man. people get it. People get it. They get it. If they don't get it, I don't care. Yeah. Just right. love Jesus. Exactly. Accept Jesus as your as your Lord and Savior. Do that today. Do that right now. You're not going to Never a better time. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, dude. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So I didn't say tomorrow if you hear his voice. He said today. And so you, if you're listening right now and you don't know Jesus, you just heard his voice. So Yeah, amen. And when you wake up in the morning, I don't want you to kiss your wife if you have a wife or kiss your husband if you're your wife, at, you know, or even like kiss your dog in my instance. I ask you tomorrow and I challenge you to wake up. And the first thing that you think of, you say, thank you, Lord, yeah. for allowing me to wake up today. Yeah. And I don't care if you have a crappy attitude all day. Yeah. Knowing that you are breathing 
and there's a beat in your chest yeah was a grace from god that's a yeah. gift man it is it's a gift life is a gift you yeah. can't ever forget it can't forget it that's the praiser house with josh white today yeah brother all right we'll see you next episode guys see ya see you guys